With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan. And we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses that should brighten your day a little actually a lot so sign up now at chumbacasino.com that's chumbacasino.com no purchase necessary btw void were prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus Hello and welcome to Footballers. I am your host, Hunter, and today I am joined by market expert, wise FIFA, and Matt Lamborn, gameplay guru and ultimate team legend. Wise, how are you today, sir? I'm great. After an introduction like that, how can you not be? Pleasure to be here. So much to talk about. Wonder what this, uh, wonder what our other guest is thinking about. You mean the foot ultimate team legend, Matt Lamborn? How are you, Matt? <laughs> I'm, on, I'm on cloud nine after that intro. Thanks, Hunter. You, you're so much nicer than the other guys. <laughs> <laughs> well, Steve couldn't be here with us this week, but uh, we'll be thinking about him this week and uh, give him something exciting to listen to and hopefully entertaining as well. Speaking of entertaining, but what if team two is hot off the press and we just briefly discussed this before recording. I'll go first with this one just real quick. Team two is a massive dub relative to team one. Would you agree, Matt? Absolutely. Uh, There wasn't many cars beyond a few trading possibilities that I was into in week one, um, particularly relevant to the price anyway. Uh, Whereas this is packed with some really good, if you want to use the term, meta-fitting players as well as some... um, attractive novelties and the prices seem a lot more reasonable for these as well thus far. I'm looking at Richarlison as four-star skills, five-star we thought being extremely useful. Gwen he's been one of my favorite discard price players. You've got your Mertens, who's your, your typical small, quick, nimble, meta-fitting uh, player and, and a bunch of us I'm sure we're going to go through. So generally speaking, this is a big thumbs up from me so far, way better than week one. Yeah, I would agree on all accounts. Wise. What say you? Yeah, no. I, again, I I'll follow the I'll follow the flow with how the podcast is going so far. I, I really enjoy it. I do think you know, and I was reading through some of the the Twitter timeline, and people are people are hating on this team a little bit 
purely from the optic standpoint of it doesn't have some of those big name, big team players, unlike the team one that had, you know, Conte, Odegaard, Sancho, Alejandro Gomez, even maybe Mbappu. So I think that people are going to be upset, but, you know, a couple weeks from now when to the point that Matt made, these players are going to be fit in the meta, but at a much more attainable price. I think people will look back and realize that, hey, these are actually some very good installments to kind of shake up some hopeful, hopefully shake up some weekend league teams going forward. Yeah. So just a couple of cards that, that really stand out to me that most people are probably not going to be excited about. Daniel Vass, yeah. solid card, huge upgrade on his regular gold card with the possibility of going to an 88. Lucas Leva, another CDM, it's very solid, a classic CDM with the correct work rates, good agility balance. He's going to move well for you. He's super strong. He's very aggressive. Really like that card. You've also got the Priera. I probably didn't say that right. Pereira. Pereira. He, you know, another right back for people to use at center back because that's the that's yeah, the new trend, right? Unfortunately, that eighty six Grifo that left mid from Italy. He for two hundred k right now. That's a very solid card for the price point. I mean, if if you weren't able or still aren't able to do El Sharawi, it's not a bad substitute. Granted, he's not going to give you the the skills and the stats like El Sharawi, but he's still going to perform for significantly less cost. Yeah, if only dead balls were a little bit more important in the game that guy is notorious for being a dead ball specialist but again i with that one probably just get sue's at the if you're going bundesliga point i am i'm really looking forward to i think that morales with that five-star weak foot and being a an elite striker option in the la liga that had lacked that sorely from jao felix kind of getting phased out and what we get a central messy i know that that's a little oof that's a little spoiler alert for later in the pod but I'm excited for the niche that he fits with that Spanish nationality as well. Fuck it. Let's go to Messi then because that card just dropped this morning. Exactly. Um, Center forward Messi, player of the month. Currently, he's about 2 million coins on the market, but I think that's a little bit inflated due to these SBCs that we still have available, i.e. the icon player pick that set the foot social media wire on fire this week. And it really, really boosted up the price of fodder and it's still elevated. Um, it's crazy man these all these icon packs or so what i mean we've had and the mid we had the mid slash prime icon pack sbc plus then now we have these three prime moment or yeah prime moment icons if i'm not mistaken where that nedved looks pretty decent value cloyver has that five-star weak foot now so people have just been pouring 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 coins in to get fodder for a variety of these different players and the market if you have sbc fodder i would encourage you to sell and keep these coins because we're only two months away from team of the season so don't do that player of the month messy at this point just wait to buy his team of the season down the road yeah and and even the uh the team of the year version of messy granted it's a different position but that card took a pretty nice hit on his valuation based on the position of this other one. And I think that's going to continue to degrade the team of the year version. Granted, the team of the year has better stats, but it's all about positioning and what it can bring to your team dynamic, right? Yeah, no, actually, I have a question for both of you. And Matt maybe takes this one first is have you guys, you know, dabbled with doing any of the icon SBCs this year? I know this is such a big contentious, contentious point within the foot community. People have been 
quoting the fact that in March of what I think it was 2019, we had gotten Hullet, like Hullet, Cruyff, and Ronaldinho or something as icon SBCs, and people have been, why don't we have them now? But I think what they meant by their, or what they've been trying to do is release these icon SBCs because they've released so many that you could easily get an icon in your squad now, even though they haven't been, you know, the actual players themselves. So have you guys done any of these icon SBCs this year? I did the, the first round of one. Uh, I think I mentioned on either last week's pod or the week before I got I got Vieri. So once bitten, twice shy, I guess you could say about doing more of these. And I don't have that much high rated fodder left in my club. I've used them on other things. So I'd have to dip into the market whilst it's at an all time high for those type of cards at the moment. So for me, it doesn't seem like the wisest thing to do with my remaining coins or my remaining club players. Uh, that said, if you want a, a sort of last gamble on the sort of build up to team of the season, you're more than welcome to give it a go. Um, but for me, it's not one I'll be uh, indulging in. I'll be sticking more to the icon swaps as a route to perhaps getting a, a, a new icon. Um, yeah, that's kind of the way I'm going to roll with it this time around. I have done one icon SBC um, straight from the market. Um, that was after I did the... Um, the icon pack from swaps. So I've only done one icon SBC, but in my icon pack from swaps one, I was lucky enough to get baby Puskas. Oh, wow. So That's right. I decided to roll the dice and do one of the mid icon packs. One of the previous mid icon SBCs where I got Ryan Giggs, <laughs> and I was immediately reminded of why I don't do icon SBCs. Right. You know, it, it's a, for, for the majority, it's a big trap, SBC. It's meant to get your fodder and your coins off the market. And if you don't understand this, you haven't been doing it long enough or you haven't been paying attention. Some people understand it and they do it anyway because they don't give a shit. And that's great. If that helps you get enjoyment out of the game, that's fine. You're, you're doing what you want to do to enjoy it. That said, these icon player picks, if you scroll through Twitter, or at least on my Twitter feed, you would think that that's a sure thing because you see only what people are showing you, right? You're seeing these icon player picks of like Hullet, Ronaldo, Eusebio, and just like, I got to do this, right? So people go out and do it and they get shit. Yeah. It's like um, internet adverts for online casinos. You always see the winning moments. You don't see the, the despair and people pulling their hair out when they've wasted their hard-earned FIFA coins and, and cards on absolute junk that they don't want. And I've, I'm at a stage now where it comes to playing these little gambling games in FIFA where I want more of a guaranteed outcome than those are prepared to buy. Yes, you're getting an icon so that it's obviously better than shoving your coins into packs where it's a completely random factor. You don't know what you're going to get. You're going to get an icon but there's so many icons that are complete junk and you'll just be massively disappointed with it. and you're getting an untradeable card in return which ultimately you can't really reuse in a, a gambling aspect. Like they haven't to the best of my awareness, put in any kind of SBC that required you to use an icon this year. So if you're stuck with an icon you don't want, that's literally dead coins, right? Mm. No, right. I mean, yeah, the, the opportunity cost is only, it's only worth however much it's what lowest rated comparable is, you know? If you have, yeah, because what's your Christian Vieri, Matt, an 86, right? Yeah, right. Yeah, I see, like that's, there's a difference between getting a, a shitty icon that's a 90 overall that could be really useful for SBCs and getting an icon that's 86 overall. And it's like, oh, crap, that's 20K basically. Like, yeah, okay, he gets a little bit more chemistry, but yeah. 
I mean, not 20K right now, that's for sure. Does this game, uh, I was just chatting with a few friends who, who play foot way more than I do. It feels like this game, this entire game mode is getting really like casino-esque, like really there's so much of a gambling factor involved, way more than normal, I feel like. And I don't know. I don't know if I like it because I know that 90% of the time you're going to lose. But there is that that 10% chance, I'll, probably less than that, but there is a chance you could come away with a really nice card. Like, for example, like I got Puskas and I know uh, Mr. Brittick from the Discord, he got Eusebio and Jason from the Discord got mid R9, which those are solid, solid cards. That's what everybody looks for in these player picks or in an icon pack. But the sad reality is, is if if you are fortunate enough to get those cards, you are in the super, super minority. And I feel like they're just enticing people to throw away all of the fodder that they work for only to be given shit in return for the most part. What do you guys think about that? What I was going to say was I don't mind the the more minor gambling factor with something like a what if promo or similar whereby it gives you well it poses you a question how much are you prepared to back a certain card to do well in real life and then you get a reward for it. I kinda like that because it, it adds more weight to the viewing experience of watching football matches in real life. And you're getting an okay card to begin with. And I think that's the premise you have to go into when you purchase a what if card. You really need to bank on what it's like today on the off chance that it might not get the desired upgrade. Whereas constantly churning in your content for random SBCs is, yeah, that is casino S because we're not getting a guaranteed outcome. And even if you do, it's a compromised outcome because you're not getting the true value of the card that's returned to you. It's it's untradeable. And I've been actually thinking prior to this conversation for the last couple of weeks that in next year's game, I'm going to try and avoid doing SBCs entirely because I have got so much crap in my club that I do not use because I was tempted in by SBCs at the time. So many cars that don't fit any of the teams I want to make. They were just cool to have at the time. And yeah, you get sucked into it. And that is exactly casino type programming is that it lures you into something that you might not necessarily want, but ultra tempted to in the short term and it doesn't uh, bear fruit over the long run. So that's kind of where I'm at and trying to use this accumulated wisdom. I should be smarter than this already having played this game for years, but if you stay out of SBCs and tell you're going to have so much more coin on your hands to do you know really big things with your absolute best team. So I think people should be more selective over which SBCs they're doing and try and focus down onto a particular project they have in mind, not just accumulating and hoarding loads of special cards. I think that's that's the behavior that EA are, are preying upon is that people like to have everything and mm-hmm. ultimately it doesn't serve them well in the long run. No, precisely, precisely, Matt. But I, I've i been kind of thinking about it from a EA are treating this exactly like a casino. You know, when you go into a casino, how many different types of games are there? And that's the thing is, imagine trying to build a game that has to cater to a hundred million users. You know, they have that. I mean, however many FIFA players there are across the board. And that is where I think that they've done. They've definitely, I'll make the concession. They've definitely made the SBCs more gamified, more odds oriented with these player picks, especially the way they've treated icons this year. You know, it's not work up to get, you know, Cruyff, it's put it all in and try to pick from these three players that doesn't even maybe include someone above 90. 
So absolutely. But then other aspects of the game, I feel, are way less casino-y with, you know, okay, you have control over your own fate with objectives. You could do the objectives. Here's how you do it. This is what you get at the end with that. I don't necessarily know if the rewards for playing the game in other game modes like Rivals and Weekend League counteract the gamble that you take when you do these SBCs. I think there is a big disparity in there, and that's why a lot of people feel burned because, okay, sure, it would probably take, you know, two or three Weekend League worths of rewards for a gold one player, you know, in the gold bracket of Weekend League players to recoup a icon SBC level, if not more, of fodder. And so I'm absolutely with you guys there. But I think that it's just been a difficult, it's so difficult for them to balance. I think they've done a good job elsewhere, but the SBCs for sure have narrowed in that you've got to be a little bit more choosy. And at the same time, it that's so subjective because it's, all right, you know, Matt, does someone want to collect cards? You know, that's why they do all these SBCs or does someone want to, you know, only focus on their weekend league team? And that's difficult for, you know, the average FIFA player to, to decide or any human to decide. It takes an extraordinary amount of discipline as well. And that's what EA are constantly testing you with. If you just want to focus on your best 11, there's so many distractions away from doing that. And people, they get FOMO. They, they don't want to miss out on whatever's coming up on a, a sort of bi-weekly basis. It, it ultimately does slow your progress down to, to the, the overall goal of, of achieving your, your ultimate team. And uh, you end up getting a bunch of stuff that either slowly gets phased out over the course of the year or you tend to forget about because it's a league you can't use with your team, that kind of thing. And yeah, you're just losing value constantly by doing them a lot of the time. And uh, yeah, uh, well, that, that's the, I feel like that's the, I, I, I don't even know how a consumer base would respond to something like that because there's absolutely, you know, power creep in, in all the games we play. I mean, we're coming up on the biggest, the biggest power creep for the fact that everybody's about to get the, not everybody, but so many players are about to get this big plus six boost, you know, with team of the season. And it's like, it's easy to look back on it and, you know, be like, oh, okay, I, you know, I have this Awar, the foot freeze Awar, maybe not the best example because he's still decent, but he's not going to be that good in a month. But when I did him, he was OP as hell. And I know Hunter has some certain feelings about foot freeze Awar, but I, I, I wonder, you know, would you like to see a, a pack a punch type situation? You know, where there's an SBC where you could put in X amount of fodder and a card gets upgraded by plus two. I don't know. Like, you know what I'm saying? I don't, uh, what would you guys like to see maybe as a resolution to something like that? The original ultimate team used to have the ability to, to permanently upgrade cards. You know, when you used to get the type of uh, one match upgrade cards that people are like, oh, you can't use those. That's 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 really bad etiquette. Well, you used to be able to to literally upgrade any player up to 99 rated. So in the first ultimate team, I was rocking a 99 Luca Tony and Carson Yanker up front, which people did not like. <laughs> they they used to get pissed coming up against these these six foot five monsters every game mm-hmm. with completely maxed out stats. So I think it's something that they have to be careful with um, to to not let it go completely unchecked but generally speaking it would be nice if there's a card that you've identified in the database that works well for you maybe it's a a player from your favorite club that kind of thing that you just like to be a little bit better that you can give them a modest upgrade or a modest permanent upgrade to and it adds some uniqueness to the database then because people will be trying different things different flavors Uh, you won't be coming up across the same team same players all the time i think that would be cool perhaps not allowing you to to make uh, 99 rated uh, midfield giants that kind of thing that's going to really piss people off no absolutely to me it's 
it's more of a, a relative value thing, right? So if I were to go do this, which I didn't and I'm, I don't intend to, but this icon player pick that's still out there for another five days or so, if I were to go do that, that's going to cost me what? A million coins, roughly, probably more than that right now, if I were to just go buy them outright. So by that standard, and I'm not saying it should be this way, but this is why people feel the way they feel when they get basically shit back. I'm going to go put in a million coins worth of fodder or actual coins when I spend them to buy these cards. And in return, I'm automatically given a product back that is rendered basically worthless on, on a relative value scale, right? I can't do anything with that card other than put it in an SBC if I wanted to later or use it. If the card is not usable, and I know that's a subjective term, but by most people's standards, the majority of these icon cards aren't usable. I mean, for anybody who's listening to this would agree. I mean, if you're listening to a podcast about foot, you're probably more than your average Joe who plays once a week. Maybe have three tiers of player pick SBCs. Tier one being it costs relatively this much, say a quarter of a million coins. I'll put in 250,000 coins. I'm going to get back something worth at least 250,000 coins relative to market. Basically, you're not losing, but you're kind of defining your risk, right? So it's it's more of a legitimate upgrade, whereas they, they name all these things, oh, icon upgrade. No, it's not an upgrade at all. It's not an upgrade because you're putting in coins to get a shittier card. So have a tier two where I put in a half a million coins. It's same thing. I get something back relative to market at that value. Same thing for a million. You're, you're defining your risk. So if I wanted to put a million coins in, I know that I'm at least going to get an icon that trades at a million coins on the market. And you can leave him untradeable, but at least his relative value is the same so that he's more likely to be usable. Does that make sense? Yeah. And the, well, I think they can't. I, I, I Absolutely. I like that. And that's that comes to the whole system of the, how they price these SBCs. And I, I, and I wish we knew the ins and outs. And maybe one of these days we'll have a guest gone that can talk about it. But, you know, you think about it. These promos are probably, you know, planned out a few months in advance, if not a whole game cycle, you know, six months to a year in advance. So it's difficult, you know, it'd be difficult for them to update something on the spot to be like, okay, this is the fair value of them and price track and be like, this is, you will get an icon that's worth more than a million. But I like the idea of like, okay, maybe they should have phases, you know, do this for two player picks, you know, 500,000 coins for two player picks at a chance at an icon. I, I agree that the value is not right right now at all for some of these icon packs, but I, I could totally see them scheming it up, you know, do an extra SBC and get three player picks, you know, and scale it up that way. I don't know how they would, but I, I don't know why they can do it with, you know, weekend league rewards and all these other things. They should have a metric to track that, you know, submit extra extra. So you are, like you said, in control of the risk you're taking. Right. I, I just feel like there's, there's no way to define risk with these SBCs. It's the odds are never in your favor. And even like the party bag SBCs that we see, I know I'm shifting away from icons, but these party bag SBCs, like, the, you know, they did one for Future Stars party bag. It's not a Future Stars party bag because you put fucking one to watch in there with it and a bunch of other <laughs> watered down versions of cards that nobody wants. Like, it's it's very obvious to me. I don't think the rest of the community really gets what's happening because the, the community goes nuts for these. Yeah, it seems innocent enough on the face of it, but I've got a quote here for you from an article I read about problem gambling fairly recently, and it, it might be relevant to what we're talking about. And it was basically this guy who's like self-excluding himself from a lot of online casinos, and he's trying to get his shit straight. 
And basically what he said is it's not the winning or even the losing is the uh, the attractive element. It's just the taking part that gives him the buzz. And I think that's absolutely what goes on in FIFA. Everyone likes opening packs. Everyone likes doing SBCs. And, and you know, it's obviously great to get a good reward out of it, but a lot of the time, you know, you're probably not going to. But you wanted to to experience the process. And I, I'm pretty sure EA know exactly what they're doing with that. That's a very good quote. And it reminds me of, uh, I'm going really off topic here, but I don't know if you guys have ever seen the movie Pure Country with George Strait. No. Grandma Ivy, she was giving him some words of wisdom. She said, there are no answers, only the search. All right. And it's kind of the same thing in foot, you know, it's like once you get the card, it's like, okay, what do I do now? Yeah, no, for it's sure. I, yeah, well, that's just exactly the drama. I'm, I'm all about that. And if, if Steve was with us this week, you would have taken a big hit from his vape pen and just sat back. <laughs> but <laughs> oh, shit. it's all about retention for EA, you know, yeah. and, and, and they gamify it. You know, they do. They do it. Like, why? Why are casinos so successful? Why is gambling so successful, especially in the UK? Now it's going to be now that it's legal here in the States in most places, it's going to be just as successful. There are proven ways to keep people retained. And that's at the bottom, at the end of the day, that's what EA have to do. And we just hope they do it in a way that isn't as slimy as what they've been doing. I have a feeling, you know, kind of kind of summarizing what yeah, we've been it's, saying, it's, if you will. Then, it's just a little unfortunate that that is the lever that they have to pull to keep people engaged. Like, I would much rather be engaged with a game because I like the game relative mm-hmm. to, oh, look at these cards, look at this content. Like, they... Yeah really really hyped up the next gen and all of these new features and everything you know but it's like if the gameplay was actually more engaging you wouldn't need to do this you people would be playing the game because they liked it like fifa 17 fifa 16 fifa 15 we played it because we liked the game we didn't have promos every week like we played it because we liked it you know granted they're bringing in loads more money now because of these digital pixels that they put on the screen and change numbers around but I just I hope we can get it back to to playing FIFA instead of just worried about the next content drop, you know? Yeah, I mean, it's the common interest in FIFA that want for a good, honest football game that brings people to the table. It's all this extra stuff that EA are using to keep them there rather than the gameplay itself, which is unfortunate. But what you're saying about them sort of casinoizing the whole experience with, with the content and whatnot, there's definitely signs of um, EA getting their shit together or getting their ducks in a row in regards to this. I've recently seen pop-ups in the game regarding setting playtime limits, which is a very casino thing to do in regulated markets. Uh, in the UK, every advert you see on TV is even an advert for the gambling or an advert for responsible gambling and being able to, to set limits on your play, how much money you spend, how much time you're doing it. And EA are doing that at the moment unprompted because they're getting ready for regulation. It's coming. You know, their days are numbered and how much of this stuff they're going to be able to do, how much money they're going to be able to make for it. They're going to have to share profits with whichever markets they're operating in. So the EU are going to take a slice, the US is going to take a slice, the UK is going to take a slice of their money. So they're really, really driving this hard home because they know it won't last forever. And FIFA in five years' time and in regards to all of this content, some of it will still be there. It'll be very different to what we're seeing now. And and people are going to have a lot more ability to control what they see and even what they can consume. Um, it's coming. They're yeah, getting ready for it. And at the moment, they're, they're going to milk that cow completely dry until somebody forces their hand. 
And then it's going to become a, a slow process of every country jumping on the bandwagon to regulate, not just FIFA, but just online gaming in general and the shit that goes down from these companies who try and get their hooks into you and getting you spending money, whether it's um, randomized content or, or just paid for upfront content, that kind of thing. It's it's a, a very fluid changing landscape and we're sort of living it right now in its Wild West days, but eventually it's going to change and hopefully for the better. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, I, I, those are some interesting predictions that I can absolutely vibe with and get behind. It'll be an interesting day to see how that happens. And in the guise of one of those in that piece there, I, I know when Hunter shared the questions earlier, it's a, how do we see FIFA morphine? And one of the big questions that, uh, Dudagon from the Discord. He asked, what if in FIFA 22, you could not sell a player that didn't have a loyalty bonus? And for me, that got me thinking and spiraling down a whole different avenue of like, if they get rid of the market aspect of the game, that would mean that you'd have to rely almost solely on FIFA points, which would be just absolutely criminal. But do we see EA ever making changes like that? Because to answer your question, Dudagon, if you couldn't sell a player until it had loyalty bonus, there would be so many fewer players on the market, meaning that, you know, how many core, like a whole aspect of the game would be gone. Trading would basically, FIFA traders and investors would be gone, or they'd find glitches to get people with a loyalty bonus. But it would, it would wipe out a whole sector, but it would, I mean, be beneficial for EA, I guess, theoretically, money-wise. I don't know. What do you guys think about something like that? Like, how, do you think they're going to control the market first, or how do you think those Based steps go? Based on what you're saying, wise, let, let, let's pose a little scenario here. Try and think of how much it probably costs realistically if you want a CR7 day one that you're going to have to pay in packs to get. I mean, you don't know exactly for sure, but it's going to be thousands, right? Um, if they implement what you're saying and it's very possible that that will happen eventually whereby the market gets totally deactivated and maybe you can't get random shit in packs anymore you're just going to have to like you're going to go to a marketplace and this is the cost of a player in real money do you want them yes or no and a CR7 might cost several hundred which in terms of a cost of a one-off card seems outrageous, but in, in reality, what you're likely to pay in opening packs is actually extremely cheap. And instead of EA sucking thousands and hundreds of thousands or millions out of, out of FIFA players who want the best cards up front on day one by making them go via the randomized pack route, they're going to get more in volume by selling micro-transaction type uh type purchases um, for small players and even for the, for the very large players. So instead of getting their revenue stream one way, which the minute you, people pay thousands and it's randomized and you have the gambling aspect, they'll remove the gambling aspect and they won't make as much money per transaction, but they'll get way more transactions because it becomes more affordable and people know exactly what they're getting. And I think generally people are more okay with that, but it does take out a little bit of the sexiness out of Ultimate Team that the community is sort of built around at the moment, particularly when it comes to content creation. You know, some weirdos love watching people opening packs and, and doing all this stupid shit. And I, I think it's dull as, as hell, but you know, this is what the market has desired and people have built careers out of providing that content and that will go away. So the whole landscape will change completely if they do that. And uh, it would take an element out of the game that I enjoy, which is the market, but then maybe the the gameplay aspect can improve thereafter. 
Um, I'm not sure, but uh, it'd be interesting to see how that works out. I don't, I don't see it happening ever. I think there would be way more negatives than there would be positives if they implemented that. There is one thing that I kind of thought about where y'all were talking about it. They could reignite foot draft if they wanted to and use that to monetize the game at the same time if they would just remove chemistry from foot draft. Totally take chemistry out and you could even have, let's say, like weekly themes for foot draft, right? Like this week, we're going to do a French theme where you can make any team you want, any player, as long as it's French and you can use it in foot draft. Then it's an equal playing field. And I'm talking icons, everything, any card that is released to the database, you can use that levels the playing field. It doesn't make it pay to win because everybody has access to the same players. You just have to pay a fee to enter a foot draft tournament. Wow, absolutely. I got to write something down. My mind is racing a mile a minute with how awesome it would be, boys. Imagine if in to piggyback off the foot draft even more, they set, you have a set number every week, set number 23 players. Everybody has the same picks. You have to build your starting 11 and subs from those 23 players. And then it's based, and then you can enter a tournament as many times as you want, you know, like the foot draft. Or, well, I mean, until you win it and they give you a good prize at the end. I would absolutely love that game mode. Oh my God. The critical thinking squad building aspect. That's a really oh. cool idea. Or they go through the route of fantasy football where everyone gets a, a set fixed budget. You try and build the, the team that you want based around that budget. Your players slowly improve or decrease in value over the course of a few weeks. And that allows you to, to shift cards around that kind of thing. That's extremely popular and monetized generally speaking privately not by the people who actually own the product that people do their own private thing and gamble for money with it and stuff so there's definitely other avenues they can go around it would perhaps shake what we know of ultimate team to the core go very very differently but i i like your idea i think that's very cool and it would be fresh as hell it would definitely shake it to the core but how much fun would it be and they can still monetize it the foot the foot draft I mean, it could be its own game mode, you know, still like the foot draft could still be its own game mode yes. within foot. Matt, I like, I mean, I, I, uh, I guess it's, that's almost like fantasy football in, in both senses. Like in the UK, the way they do fantasy soccer hunter, like football in UK is that budget system. And it's fascinating. Mm. Um, and you, but I guess you could do, you could apply that to the foot as a whole or in foot drafts. I'd be happy with that either way. Just create, this is, these are a couple of type of game modes that I hope EA would be fleshing out that could allow you to have your uber competitive modes and not have people be getting burnt out, but then also have some fun stuff to do during the week and keep that retention Yeah, and, up. and just like to go a little bit further with the foot draft thing, you could even implement, let's say, for this week, we're going to do, like we said, a French tournament. You could add objectives to it, right? And have rankings oh, based yeah. on, okay, you get X amount of points from each game throughout your foot draft, throughout your four games. And if you do this, 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 and this, if you complete all the objectives in every game and score at least five goals in every game, you'll go to a top 100, just like Weekend League. And you can do rewards the same way. It'll give people another element to get better rewards, get more coins to put towards their ultimate team that they could then use in Weekend League. I don't understand why they're not monetizing Foot Draft. It's almost like they don't want us to play Foot Draft because I've played just two this year and both of them, the player selections were fucking garbage. Just utterly worthless cards that no one would ever want to use. 
So I just, it's almost like they don't want us playing foot draft, but there's so many levers they can pull with that to make the game enjoyable and make money at it at the same time. This is all good and, stuff. And that kind of goes to uh, uh, Reese Foot Gaming also asked a question. What can they do to make weekend league rewards worth the grind? We touched on that before. Um, yeah, I'll stick to my idea of enabling Team of the Week players to link, strong link to one another in terms of the week they were released in anyway. And, and that suddenly makes your rewards a lot more viable, gives you some interesting squad building opportunities there. And of course, Team of the Week players then suddenly actually have a, a real market value that they've been sorely lacking, particularly at the low end for, for quite a few years now. And so I'm sticking to that as, as my idea of the way to go. Hopefully other people have other ideas as well that could be perhaps worked in conjunction with that or just totally differently but um for me that would make it more worthwhile and you know i've always said i preferred it wasn't at the weekend it actually ran through the week and that would suit my lifestyle a lot better but that's just me everyone's got different priorities of course but uh, yeah that's what i would like to see personally yeah i like the idea of somehow introducing you know we have you finish gold two and you get three player picks right you get three team of the week player picks well Make one of those player picks now a promo player pick and the other two stay at team of the week or something like that. In- introduce, I'm a big proponent of introducing the promo cards into the weekend league rewards. I think that that'd be really helpful. And if they don't want, and if they want to even control the pool of promo cards that get released, uh, I guess you could do like, okay, uh, you get a player pick for any party bet like sbc players you know like you get one pick in the weekend league you know make it unique you get one player pick in the week weekend league that allows you to pick and from a myriad of like three but any sbc player that was released i mean barring icons and stuff yeah you can give us uh, give them a selection maybe so let's say it was two player picks right you get two player picks of five cards each or you can have one player pick of three from the current promo or a defined promo. You're basically foregoing your two previous red picks that are most likely going to be dog shit for one of three cards that are promo cards, which 95% of the time are going to be better than any card in that team of the week. And if they if they do it that way, though, and this is why Matt's suggestion to me is so important. If they do that where you get to choose between, you know, you take less picks, but you get to pick from promo players, no one would ever choose the team of the week cards nowadays. That's why I, they need to do something to the team elite cards as well, so that we have a balance. Yeah, I agree. Anything else to add, Matt? No, no, I, I'm all on board with that. That all sounds very uh, logical and, and, and sensible. And do we have a contact at EA we can send this shit to? <laughs> I feel like they're they're missing a trick, and uh, they they need to listen to what those hardened community members have to say just a little bit. You know, they don't have to like do what we say verbatim, but you know, they need to hear us out. Right? These are these are good, solid ideas. That this actually leads perfectly into another one of the questions that Jason twenty four asked, and I think we should expand upon this. Yes, like what is the background of all the hosts pre FIFA days? You know, how did I get to this point, or how did we get to this point? Yeah, that's a great question. I I think it'd be we should do the him justice and have a longer segment, maybe next pod or something. But I got to this point of being you know known in the FIFA community because of you know, partnering up with someone that people might know as the foot economist and who now works for EA. So I could, I could shoot Jamie a text, Matt, and uh, we can, we can see if I'll, I'll, I'll cut out the, we'll cut cut out this uh, last 15 minutes of the pod and I'll send it to him. I think that he could really, uh, he could really use the feedback. Sounds good. Whether it, I'm sure it fiddles with some of his economy ideas, but uh, for the greater good, it might, it might pay off. 
Matt, how did you come up in the FIFA community? Um, I've always been playing Ultimate Team since day one. Uh, so I'm very long in the tooth at this point. Um, and that generally came around for, I've always played, uh, not necessarily FIFA, but whatever the big football game was at the time. So prior to, I want to say 2009, maybe, when, when Ultimate Team first came out, it, FIFA wasn't necessarily the 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 best football game out there. Um, the International Superstar Soccer Series and then the Pro Evo Series were generally superior right up until the sort of Xbox 360, PS3 era, and then FIFA sort of took over from there. Ultimate Team was an experimental game mode that you used to have to pay for to download. It was DLC. Uh, and it immediately got its hooks into me on, on day one. I absolutely loved it. Um, it's pretty much filled in the niche that was... Um, provided to me via uh, the championship manager stroke football manager series of games. I, I immediately stopped playing those alongside my general football gaming content and went straight into Ultimate Team generally. But in terms of how I sort of came up in the community, so we're talking FIFA 15, FIFA 16 maybe. And I started doing yeah. uh, the Footstop podcast. And that came about because I'm a member of a, a totally unrelated um, forum called Football 365, which is a general football discussion forum. And it had its own dedicated ultimate team, Fred, in there, which I used to you know, dip my toe into quite a lot and try and offer advice to people coming up who perhaps hadn't been playing it as long as I had. And it got to the point where I found I was asked, uh, being asked the same questions over and over again I was trying to be polite and answer them and just got annoyed by repeating myself all the time so you know what I said fuck it I'm going to do a podcast that's going to answer all the main questions about trading that kind of thing and I thought it was going to be a one-off and it turned out it was really popular off the bat not just with members of that forum but once it got into Twitter and whatnot and my co-founder and co-host Matt Aguilera uh, reached out to Chewboy to see if he would come and talk to us on a subsequent episode. And of course, he retweeted the episode and it, and it blew up from there. So we were off to the races very, very quickly. Um, but yeah, it was all supposed to be a one-off attempt to sort of help a very small sub-segment of the community with some of their most asked questions. And it turned into a, a podcast that was initially focused on trading. And then it just became a sort of general ultimate team entertainment podcast over the years as it progressed from footstock into the uh the foothead podcast as it came to be a little bit later on so yeah that's how i sort of came up through there so you're like the uh foot podcast og that's what people say i can't say with a hundred percent of the base and whether that's true we we didn't make the podcast um with any intention of being the first to market so to speak we just did it because we wanted to do it and i think it turns out we i'm gonna say we probably weren't the first but we were the first that got relatively big first good one and maybe maybe the first good one or certainly the the, the first one to have a, a decent regular following um so people who were part of this community who remember those podcast days like to credit us as being you know the original foot podcast i can't say verbatim whether that's true or not but it's nice to be held in that esteem by by a few people so yeah that's that's really cool but um yeah, we just wanted to help people out and it, and we, we got a following and, and we went from there and we, we ran solidly for two years and then uh, we decided to call it a day. But yeah, that's how I sort of came through. Well, thanks for sharing that. I've been playing foot since it started um, back in the day. I've been played it almost every year. I think I took FIFA 17 and I took most of that year off with the intention of not playing it anymore. As I've kind of had my fill of it, it was kind of getting really stagnant and um, at the time didn't really feel like 40 games of weekend league a, a weekend was just, that's just too much. And um, picked it back up in FIFA 18 after one of my friends 
told me he played. And I was like, oh, crap, I got to go buy it now. So I went and bought it and I was hooked again. And that's when the uh, the wave of content really started. And I started listening to Foot Weekly Podcast, got into that Discord and made a lot of contacts there. Then I discovered a passion for graphics and editing, started doing that, making contacts, doing that. And that's kind of where I'm at now. Um, I probably do more graphics and editing now than I do FIFA, but just from an enjoyment factor is what I like doing. And uh, that's actually, a it's been a really niche way of, of creating professional and personal friendships within the FIFA community, uh, getting to know other people just who genuinely enjoy the game. Got into contact with Steve after a coaching session about three years ago, just kind of kept up contact with Steve. And he gave me this idea about a year ago about wanting to start the foot Academy. So we brainstormed it and here we are. Um, oh, what are we six months into it? This community has, has blown me away at what we've been able to, to build together as, as a whole, as a group. And, um, I really look forward to, to seeing how much further we can go with this and just really grow it and help everyone enjoy the game, create a positive environment, supporting each other while also giving each other shit, because I mean, come on, it's a game, you know, just, just say very quickly for the record, Steve, um, got me on board with with Foot Academy and doing footballs because he used to be a listener to my podcast back in the day, back when he didn't know anything. He used to ask a lot of questions. So <laughs> <laughs> he hasn't always been been the whiz that he that he is today, but um, he uh, was gracious enough to sort of uh, pull me out of the, the woodwork when he wanted to do a podcast because he knew I'd, I'd done one before and, and uh, I helped him out in the past. So uh yeah, that, that's kind of how uh, Steve is the, the glue that bonds us all together, so to speak. So uh, thanks for that, Steve, for pulling us, pulling us out of uh, retirement, so to speak. Absolutely. Same, I mean, same to me in a sense, too, of the retirement. I had gotten a job and gone a, a little MIA from the FIFA scene for a little while, and he pulled me back into it, too. I always, I, I guess since we're doing it, I'll do mine as well. Uh, I've... I mean, I'm I'm young. I'm the youngest one on the podcast, if you will, at a, a cool 25. But I've been playing FIFA for a long time and got really heavily into it in FIFA 10 and then Ultimate Team in FIFA 11-ish, I'd say. And I am someone that likes the... I like economics. So, you know, I like making money, if you will. Not only that, of course, but the whole system of buying something for cheap and selling it for high. Love that. You know, there's a whole adrenaline boost and. I listened to content, consume content creators like Air Jabes and Philip Pato from back in the day that just had, they, these people just seemed to have so much fun with FIFA and I was having so much fun with FIFA and Ultimate Team and I was like, I want to be like these guys and so I just worked to kind of do that, found my niche with, started on YouTube originally and just if you want to go ahead and check those out, those are some really cringe worthy <laughs> videos but if you want to just talking about like marquee matchup predictions and being like, you know, buy these guys for a low because these are the chances that they're going to hit. And They were great back in the day though when you could actually do that with marquee matchups. That was so much fun. Right, exactly. I got in right at that perfect time because it was still unknown. So that's what, you know, and you need, there was so much volatility and that was I think FIFA 17. And it coincided then with me learning about a bunch of these different my I'm in the finance sector and finance field. So I was learning about a different, all these different valuation techniques and all these things about how to track value. And I was trying to apply those to the FIFA market. And so when I was in school, I did that. And I first blew up when I released her one though. I can't, I first blew up because Ben reached out to me from the foot weekly pod, or I reached out to him after listening to one of the episodes and got some pointers and went on the show and in August and met the foot economist. And then when I was at school, I released this analysis of how to track value 
for ones to watch promo cards. And at the time, those were the big boy items. Now they're dead as hell. But back then they were they were the value holders. And so people followed me from there, exploded and grew that way. And that's the thing. Once you do one little spark, just like Matt was talking about, things can really open up and just been enjoying it. My whole The whole thing was just to be like the people that I used to watch. And so, you know, Sam 5000. I find the key element here that you're describing once for, for all of us, including Steve, who's not here today, is that we've all been a little bit reliant on someone giving us a helping hand along the way just to get the ball moving, just to kickstart whatever backing, whatever community it is that you're a part of to get your recognition out there. And then you need to go and do your own thing and put the work in, right? So yep. when people are like, oh, fuck you, I don't want to help you out as, as part of the community, you're not doing anything for me. It's all about paying it forward. If no one helped each other, we'd basically just be listening to what EA say and the people who front their their uh, Twitch programming and, and that kind of thing. And it would be a very corporate, shill, cold kind of environment, whereas the, the cream rises to the top in this community because people will see something, they will go, go watch that guy, go listen to that person. And they get their following through putting the hard work in it and that kind of thing. So if there's ever a time when someone asks you for help and you can afford to give it to them, please do consider doing it because you never know what it's going to result into. It can be the smallest gesture on your part if you have a, a few Twitter followers, that kind of thing. But that could be enough to get them rolling and they can go on to do great things. And I think all four of us as part of this podcast have, have experienced that at some point and to great benefit. And hopefully you know, the community thinks we're, we're giving something back by the stuff that we're doing as well. And that that's the really cool aspect of being part of this community. Yes, it's toxic sometimes, but every now and then people do nice things and it pays off, right? Exactly. No, absolutely. Yeah. And if, I, I would totally, like I mentioned, I'd totally love to go into some more of these backgrounds in greater detail. I think that would make for an excellent pod matt and i have similar ones with you know getting mm. into foothead as content creators and and then that talk that talk about mm. toxicity and helping people forward is i'm sure we can all unpack a lot of stories i know that uh, and this is not toxic anyways but it was funny i remember when steve was emerging i think he was on one of the episodes that of the foot weekly pod when i was an established guest <laughs> if you will at that point and steve wasn't and now he is and then uh what was it i we were both of us were chilling around a few thousand followers on Twitter, but this guy reached out to me and we wanted to do this joint graphics piece and just another cool chill guy from the UK that I was like, oh, he likes to do trading stuff too. We did this icon prediction series and turns out that that man's Matt Foot trading. And so the people are the people in the community that have blown up. It's just great to see them along the way and interact with them. It's a fun community. As much as we gripe about it, you can find people at that at the basis, at the end of the day, we're all just trying to enjoy a video game. Let it let it ride. Have fun with it. Yeah. I did not know that about you. Yeah. No, Matt Foot Training and I did some fun stuff. I, yeah. Worked with Chew Boy for a little. So that's why I'd love to. It'd be fun to, you know, this is just off rip spontaneity. So yeah. great question from Jason. But put some more cohesive thoughts together and have a fun pod segment about it would be would be fun in the future. Who knew? Why is FIFA and Matt Foot crying? Yeah. <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, Maybe we can like do an that, MTV like Cribs that. episode after that. Yeah, yeah that would be cool. Um, well, last question from Jack Rob: Are you ever satisfied by a through ball you play knowing that there is that level of assistance behind it? Or do you think, quote, there was a lot of help from the computer? Wise? <laughs> this is a great question that I think uh, varies based on if you ask me this in FIFA 10 
the latter for sure. You know, there was a lot of help from that past. Now it's like, I've been doing it long mm. enough. It's just me. Or is it, you know, <laughs> you, you start to lose the fact that. Yeah. I mean, if somebody that plays this game, especially FIFA 21, if somebody can look me in the eye and tell me that they've never experienced an accidental worldly through ball and scored from it, they're fucking liars. <laughs> because there's been some yeah. times where I'm trying to play it out to the wing and he shoots that thing straight through the middle and splits those defenders hitting that striker in stride from behind. And he just wasn't even looking at the ball. He just senses it then moves his leg over to let the ball come through and just smashes it on the first touch. That has happened more than once in, in one session, actually. So yes, I'm satisfied by it because I know that that shit's going to come around and it goes around. It's going to come around and bite you. You're going to get pissed about it and then you're going to see it happen for you and you're going to act like you're ignoring it and you're going to get mad again when it happens against you. I mean, it's, there's too much assistance in through balls, just my opinion. Matt, what about you? Yeah, I'm pretty much with you on that one. Um, the game generally is dominated by who can and who cannot perform through balls well or, or at least time them well because I think a lot of it is in the timing. that You can tell, generally speaking, how good or at least how patient a player is when they start to start spamming through balls at the earliest opportunity when their players are even making a run kind of thing. So if you've become adept at getting the right angle and the timing to put the killer through ball in because you've got the right player on the end of it and they're just about to breach the, the back four, there is some skill in it. It's it's too powerful in this year's version and it probably has been in quite a few different uh, years of the game and I'd like to see the gameplay change a little bit more whereby there are more variety in ways to score I think we're still waiting for a FIFA whereby there's a good balance between crossing type goals which is probably the vast majority of how goals are scored in real life but a very slim majority of how they're scored in ultimate team and you know the killer through ball the pace you know the stuff that the kids absolutely absolutely love that kind of thing um, but yeah, you know, it's it's annoying that a lot of games are, are generally decided by uh, a through ball, whether it's defended properly or not. And the AI has a lot to do with that. So there are um, there is some variance in that, and I, I wish they would do something about that. But uh, there is a little bit of skill to it as well. So let, let's not yeah. completely give uh, the computer all the credit for these goals that we're scoring. Yeah, exactly right. If you if you really did fancy yourself as the individual that was controlling those through balls, look at me and tell me your midfield isn't prime moments Pirlo, prime moments Javi, prime moments uh, Paul Scholes. <laughs> until, <laughs> until you can do that and tell me that, that I don't believe you that it's, you know, it, and you're playing on manual. We all get a little help, but absolutely got to love it. I'm with Hunter. What goes around comes around. Yeah, you should have seen these these through balls I was sending with these bronze players for that Caputo objective. I'm talking bronze left back. <laughs> Back to front, 100 mile an hour through ball with perfect curve, right through the defenders and on goal. <laughs> it's a skill game, baby. Oh, I love that. Yeah, that, that. That's my league. That's like all of us in Sunday League. You know, your boy likes to fashion himself Javi Alonso <laughs> when he's playing with his friends. <laughs> oh, <shit. laughs> okay, well, we're, yeah. we're all out of questions. And uh... I just want to ask you all uh, very quickly before you sign off, Hunter, just as a little fun aside, and this won't take long at all. Who is voting for who in the Barclays Premier League Player of the Month this time around? Because there's uh, there's some contentious picks there. Who are you going for? I've gone for Lingard just to be different. I don't want Bruno or 
Gundogan to to get it again, but they're probably the most likely candidates to get it. But uh, I think Lingard's had a killer month, and he's not the type of player who's likely to find himself in this position very often. So I've uh, I've gone for him as a as a novelty pick, um, but I think it would be a good card. He would be like a slightly quicker version of the eighty seven Bruno Fernandez if he actually got the the six plus upgrade from player of the month. I think it would be a nice card, and it would be probably cheap cheap to do too. Yeah, I think I have my pick. But I, the, the, who would have who would have thought a Fulham a Fulham center back? <laughs> yeah, I, I can't say I've seen much of that guy, <laughs> but uh, yeah, fair play yeah. If, if they're if they're doing well and they deserve their shot at a player of the yeah, month. Um, guess I'm going to vote from purely from a foot standpoint of what I would like to see in foot, and maybe that's wrong of me, but I would like another Jao Cancelo. Yes, that's my pick too. I love. I I just like what Jao Cancelo can do. In this game, I mean, we uh, and it's unfortunate because you have what Ruben Neves in there just got a sick objective card that I think everybody should do. You have Harvey Barnes in there, you know, foot future star would be any would be miles better than any player of the month he's going to get. Rafinha, what if card? Uh, SBC, if you got the coins, maybe do it. But he's got plenty of informs. I would love, yeah, it's. It, I would love a Jao Cancelo who I could play in the midfield and just be elite or Rafinha. Yeah, I'd great. say for me, very nice. All right. We're all out of time this week and we're all out of questions, but we will be back next week and we will have Steve with us next week. So stay tuned. Wise, where can people find you on Twitter? Yes, I'm on Twitter, Wise FIFA, and that's Wise with a Y. Might try to get this lazy butt up and to produce some more content at some point, but for now, just follow me on Twitter. I, I say funny stuff every now and then. Give us some fucking content, man. I know, bro. I know. Matt, where can people find you? Most likely to find me in our Discord, so I'm at Nets Gaming in there. And when any of the guys are streaming, it'll be the same name. If you see me in the Twitch chat or if you want to say hello on Twitter, it's at LamboMat, just one T. Sounds good. You can find me on Twitter at the Foot Hunter, the underscore foot underscore hunter, and also on Twitch. I do a lot more streaming in the private Discord at the Foot Academy, which you can find patreon.com forward slash foot academy. We have loads of tutorials, training videos, great community, tactics, setups, builds, coaching. We also do pro clubs now too. We've got about seven or eight guys on the um, pro clubs for PlayStation. Xbox just started there. So we're, uh, we're starting to gel on the PlayStation side. I'm not sure about Xbox, but uh, we'll have to get an update from those guys. But we appreciate you listening. And uh, we appreciate all the patrons in the Foot Academy. And we look forward to speaking to you next week. See you later. Take it easy, guys. Stay wise. Podcast Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? 
I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At ChumbaCasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.